Chapter Two of Molly the Drummer Boy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Molly the Drummer Boy by Harriet Teresa Comstock. Debbie takes her own way. Deborah, yes, ma'am. Hast thou aired thy bed and prayed in private, earnestly seeking forgiveness for thy sins of yesterday? Mrs. Lane came down the long hall and eyed with disapproval the girl sitting idly on the top step of the porch. A sullen look passed over Debbie's face. I've aired my bed, answered she, and humbly besought pardon for thy sins. No, ma'am. Why not, Deborah? Because I haven't been sinning. Child, thy soul is in danger of eternal punishment. I don't care. Debbie had suffered so much in various forms during her short life that the subject had ceased to interest her she never trembled as did the well-cared-for little puritans over elder morris's prayers his lurid descriptions rather charmed her there seemed no doubt in plymouth but that bill mason was doomed and where her father went debbie wanted to go too consequently no threat could touch her at these hard words mrs lane grew rigid for thy mother's sake i have sought to save thee she said I have even tried to trace her family, for I believe they were of better stock than thy vagabond father. But I fear me, lass, that thou art an evil-hearted wench. Neither hellfire or earthly love can move thee. Mistress Knowles hath told me that over and over again thou art seen with Jack Martin. Thou art a shameless one. Jack was my only friend when all the other boys and girls turned on me. Tis not like I'd forget Jack. There was a dangerous flash in Debbie's eyes. I forbid thee ever speaking to the rascal again. Dost hear? Yes. Wilt thou obey? No. A cruel blow almost threw Debbie from the porch. She gathered herself up and turned a set white face to her mistress. Now go to thy room, Deborah. For the love of thy soul have I chastised thee. After evening prayers tonight I will come to thy room. If thou art repentant, I will overlook thy insolence. But mark my words, dost thou repeat the offence, girl, I will lay the rod across thy shoulders, until I have conquered thy spirit. During the day, she added, think of thy mother, and how she would have grieved o'er thee. Debbie had a hasty answer ready for Mrs. Lane, but the last words quiet her. Silently, she shuffled to her room on the second floor, far to the back of the house. Closing the door, she sank down near the window and began to think in real earnest. The day wore wearily away. Strong, energetic Debbie chafed under the enforced idleness. She thought of her mother, and hot, stinging tears filled her eyes. Here was her chance to be decent and respectable, slipping from her, while she was growing worse and worse. She thought of her father away somewhere, where she knew not, though she had pleaded with Jack Martin to try and find out what was the poor weak father doing perhaps he was dead and she would never see him again that thought always made her strong young body quiver bits of strange talk always hushed when she drew near came to her now in those long hours of imprisonment rumours of a battle at lexington where the farmers had dared face the king's men it had never occurred to debbie before but perhaps her father was among those brave men or perhaps he had been at the later battle of bunker hill and had fallen fighting in the unequal struggle as so many other rebels who had dared to resist king george 
debbie hated the king for no better reason than because mrs lane worshipped him if she had only been a boy she would have fought against him simply to spite her mistress the tall clock on the stairs after plodding through the weary day at last struck seven and the early gloaming began to settle o'er the little town of plymouth from below the droning voice of mrs lane arose leading the evening devotions how debbie loathed that service in half an hour mrs lane would mount the stair rod in hand to settle her account with the imprisoned sinner and in half an hour at a certain woods of which debbie knew that rascal jack martin would be waiting with any possible knowledge he might have gleaned of her father and in return be given a lesson with a drum jack had warlike aspirations and debbie was fitting him to take his place with her drum to serve where her sex prohibited her going poor limited debbie no one ever knew what the sacrifice meant to her as the hour struck she rose restlessly of course she must meet jack but she did not care to encounter the eyes of mistress knowles who if she ever sought forgiveness for her own sins did so when all plymouth slept suddenly the girl started up her strong rosy face full of fun why had she not thought of it before she ran to the closet and mounted a short ladder from the space between the ceiling and the roof she dragged down a bundle and flung it upon the bedroom floor then she worked rapidly the bundle consisted of a suit of boys clothes made of rough fustian it represented all the money earned and given since she had lived with mrs lane jack martin had procured the outfit never asking a question about the strange purchase though at the time he was consumed with curiosity for a month it had lain in his hiding-place having been brought forth once or twice at midnight and donned in silence that debbie might know the unholy joy of making believe she was a boy she now dropped her trim gown and skirts upon the floor and drew on the rough suit up went the curly brown hair under a three-cornered hat and lo in the soft gloaming stood as sturdy and brave a lad as one need wish to see and now left miss debbie doubling her fists at an unseen foe come on you old cat of a mistress knowles there is another rascal in town to-night who would like nothing better than to close your eyes for a week or so End of chapter two